hello guys welcome back to the new dimension channel and we're still on the book review for this month growing up spiritually by kenneth hagen pardon how i sound i don't feel very good but i promise to be consistent so i'm going to be doing it regardless in this episode we're going to be discussing part two and part three so that's a total of three chapters because part two has two chapters, part three has one chapter. And they are working with your father, working in love and receiving the knowledge. It was a very eye-opening chapter for me and I'm sure that it will be for you. Or They were all eye-opening chapters, especially chapter seven actually. But we're going to get into it after the short interlude. See you soon. Welcome back, guys. So, let's move. I'm um, starting with chapter 5, and the topic was walking with your father. And the um, scripture was Matthew six twenty-five to 34. And Kenneth Hagin was teaching us about how even though we are born again, we never really become acquainted with our father. And usually this happens because we are used to that side of God, a hard, harsh atmosphere like the Jews. And they knew him as Elohim. They knew him as Jehovah rather than having personal connection with him. So when it was time for Jesus to now bring in the truth, like, oh, God wants to be the relationship with you and he wants to be your father. They found it hard to wrap their head around it. In the same vein, we're so used to hearing about God as a judge, God as a king, God as the Alpha and Omega, that when we hear about God wanting to be our father or God wanting to have a relationship with us or just with us, it just sounds very weird. Um, anyway, we cannot grow if we're not acquainted with our Heavenly Father. God is interested in each of us individually, not just as a group, a body or a church. He is interested in each of his children and he loves every single one of us with the same love. And he said something that really, really stood out to me to the point where I actually highlighted it in my notes. He said, he may be God to sinners, but his father to me. To the sinners, they may see him as the God, the judge, whatever. But to me, that I am saved, to me, that I'm a part of his family, to me, that I know him, his Abba Father. And you should also hold it there. It's not just what they say God is or who they say God is, but who he is to you. And he should be your father. Excuse me. And he said, it's not important what church you're in. What's most important is what family you're in. As long as we are all in the family of Christ and we believe that Jesus actually died for our sins and God wants to be our father, we're in the same family. Whether you are in Redeem or Anglican or Catholic or White Garment or CCI or Baptist, or it doesn't matter. All that matters is you are in God's family and he's your father and you are his child. And the um, second part of that, or the first 
like subheading of that chapter was getting acquainted through the word. You cannot understand God by feelings. You understand God by what the word says about him. If you guys remember my um, popular talk, we walk by faith and not by feelings. And we walk by faith through the word. When we read the word, because let's be honest to ourselves, when we read the Bible, it's not like if we were there when it happened. But we know that it happened and we believe that it happened because we have faith. So in this kingdom, we don't work by feelings, we work by faith. So he said, get acquainted with the Father through the word. It is in the word that we find out about him about his love, about his nature, about how he cares for us, about how he loves us. According to Matthew 6, God cares for us, so we don't have to worry about tomorrow. This is something that I'm really learning. And honestly, I know it will take a while, especially right now, where it just seems like it's so easy to worry, it's so easy to ask God questions, it's so easy to just want to know what's next. God is saying, don't fret. I love you. Be rest assured in me. Because I am your father. I will take the place of a father. And I will perform the part of a father. I will perform the part of a daddy. I will do everything that you need me to do. That you would need a father to do. That's what God is promising us. And in John chapter 14, 21 to 23... We have a revelation of the father's attitude towards his children. And two things are emphasized. Keep his commandments and you'll be loved of the father. I'm repeating it. Keep his commandments, one. You'll be loved of the father, two. If you walk in love, you will walk in God's realm. Because God is love. So for you to walk in God's realm, for you to grow, you need to walk in love. God's nature is love. His very nature compels him to care for us, protect us, and shield us. And our relationships as sons and daughters is to challenge his love. Because we have the same relationship to the Father that Jesus did when he walked on earth. When I read it, I was like, what? Like, we all envy the relationship Jesus had with God. But we tend to forget that. We also have that same, or we have the capacity to build that same relationship with God. Because His Holy Spirit is in us. The Father loves us just as He loves Jesus. And that's why we should not be afraid to face life's problem. I'm not afraid of what life will throw at me because I know that he's with me as he was with Jesus. You know, a lot of times I worry, but like I'm not getting to that place where I'm like, last, last, God, no fish in me. And when I say that thing, people think it's from a place of maybe that was what was raining, God, no go shame us. But it's just like, in my own words, a personal revelation, God will not put me to shame. God will not embarrass me. God will not leave me to be by myself. And I want you to hold on to that word. To that, see, regardless of what is happening, no matter how bad it is, last, last, God no fish shame you. It's not even he no go shame you, no fish shame you. It's not like he's not going to do it. He cannot do it. 
is not in him to shame his beloved. So he cannot do it. And there's nothing stronger and more comforting than this fact. The Father knows you. God knows you. God loves you. And God wants to bless you. In 1 Peter 5, 7, Philippians 4, 6 and Philippians 4, 13, the Father is saying, end worry by giving it all to me. End all your worry by giving it to God. And Christ is the one that strengthens us if we let him. Stop trying to form independent man or woman. Stop trying to form hard guy. You can do it to other people, but when it comes to God, keep it somewhere. Keep it somewhere. Remember that God is love. And his love, that nature, is what compels him to care for us. And when you come to know his love, and to dwell in that love, and to fellowship in that love... All your doubts and fears will be destroyed. It's on First John, I think 4.18 or 4. Yeah, I think it's 4.18. There's no fear in love because perfect love casts out all fear. Perfect love casts out all doubts. When you come to know that love, God is our helper and he will meet all our needs. Then the um, second subtopic was experiencing acquaintance. And he said that, Psalm 23 describes the love attitude of the Father and Jesus. In his words, and I quote, This is my interpretation of the 23rd Psalm. I always say it this way. The Lord is my shepherd. I do not want. I do not want means perfect satisfaction. The ultimate of living. And he did such a beautiful job breaking each verse down. But because of our time, it's not something I can do here. So if you want to read the rest, you can specifically go to page 69 to 71. And that's where you'll find it. And he repeated it again. He may be the judge to the world and God to the sinner, but his father to me. He's Elohim to me. He may be Lord of heavenly armies to the world. He may be Lord of heavenly armies or God the judge to the sinner but to me he is Abba Father God loves companionship God wants to be near us in fact he created us to keep him company and fellowship with him and that is what he wants he just wants you to come into his presence and just love upon him no questions no stress just just love just fellowship just gist just companionship he said that it's so blessed and beautiful and wonderful to be able to walk with God. When you start that walk with God, you will be able to say it by yourself. Because it's a testimony. To be able to walk with God is a testimony. And really, it's worth it. To be able to walk with God is worth it. Anyway, moving on to chapter 6. Walking in love. The anchor scripture was Romans 5 5. And he said, To fellowship with God, to walk with God, to walk in God's realm, we must walk in love, not human love, divine love, because God is love. When you become born again, 
God becomes your father. Excuse me. Excuse me. He's a love God. And you are the love child of a love God. You are born of God. And because God is love, you are born of love. Once you become saved, the nature of God is in you. And the nature of God is love. Some people may not exercise the love. It's like, oh, I have a talent for writing. But I don't write that much. I don't put in that much effort into it. But it doesn't mean that the talent is not there. Because it's an inborn talent. So when you become saved, it is inborn for you to have the nature of God, which is love. But you just need to learn to exercise it and walk in it. All of us have it. Because we're a family of love. The love love of this family is that we love each other the way God loves us. To be in this family of God, in this family of love, God said, love your neighbor as I have loved you. Or love each other as I have loved you. And then there were two subtopics under it again, as usual. And the first one, love compared, divine to natural human. The love we're talking about is divine love, not natural human love. We hear a lot about natural human love, but there is simply no love in this world like the love of God. Natural human love is selfish. The love of God is in our hearts, but it may be like the talent that was wrapped in a napkin and hidden in the earth. We may not use it, but that love of God is in our hearts. So it's our job to ask the Holy Spirit to help us unwrap that love, to find it and to exhibit it. If we would use it and learn to let that love dominate us, it would make a difference in our lives. It would cure the ills in our homes. This kind of love has never been to a divorce court and will never go. Because God cannot divorce us. It's like, the kind of love God has for us is like, no matter what you do, no matter how much you try, you don't have the choice. It's a we die here kind of thing. And that's the kind of love that God wants us to grow in. The kind of love that is not interested in what you can get, but what you can give. As children of God, the nature of God is in us, and God's nature is love. So it is natural for us spiritually to love because we are now spiritual beings it's our nature to love so it's supposed to become natural if you let your out your outward mind mind and man dominate you the love nature in your heart will not come out it will be locked up so that is another reason why we pray for the holy spirit to help us to become more like him so that we stop being controlled by the flesh, by our physical mind, by carnal manhood. We're going to be doing that in the next um, episode next week. But that the love of God is released within us. And the second part was an expose on love. And the characteristics of this kind of love are given to us in First Corinthians 13. Uh, I'm going to be reading it in TPT version because I love it so much. He He did like a much more detailed summary on it too but like i said if you want it you'd have to go and read it by yourself if you want it you go and read it by yourself i'm just going to um 
do a favor and bring out the verse i'm sorry not the verse the pages so it's from page 78 to page i think 84 yes from page 78 to page 84 but um in tippity version i'm going to read it out to you love is large and incredibly patient love is large and incredibly patient love is gentle and consistently kind to all it refuses to be jealous when blessing comes to someone else love does not brag about one's achievements nor inflates its own importance love does not traffic in shame and disrespect nor selfishly seeks its own honor love is not easily irritated or quick to take offense love joyfully celebrates honesty and finds no delight in what is quick in what is wrong love is a safe place of shelter for it never stops believing the best for others love never takes failure as defeat for it never gives up love never stops loving it extends beyond the gift of prophecy which eventually fades away it is more enduring than tongues which one day fall silent love remains long after words of knowledge are forgotten first corinthians 13 48 the passion translation the passion translation just really speaks to me each time i read the scripture and it's passion and message but if you want it you can go and read it by yourself and he said we are interested in spiritual gifts and we ought to be but we ought to be interested in love first the thing about this is let's have prophecy let's have tongues let's have faith let's have knowledge but let's also have love with it let's put love first because we are in the family of love and have become acquainted with our heavenly father who is a god of love we ought to want to learn we ought to want to grow we ought to want to grow in love until we are made perfect in love so it's not just about saying oh uh, god said love can you come from this that no you also have to be intentional about wanting it about wanting to grow about wanting to love about wanting to learn until you are made perfect in god's love may god help us in jesus name and then we go to part three um receiving the knowledge and the anchor scripture was ephesians four thirteen, and he said that we all want to be mature spiritually but you just it just won't happen by saying it you don't become mature spiritually because you want it excuse me the same way god starts us in the spiritual is the same way children are started in the natural babies are started off with milk natural breast milk and god says that the sincere milk of the word will cause us to grow excuse me in first corinthians um, 3 1 to 2 and hebrews 5 11 to 14 paul was talking about the milk of the word and here he's talking about preaching and staying with the first principles of the doctrine of christ paul's calls paul calls that the milk of the word not the strong meats when you still have to be taught the first principles you are still on the milk when you still have to be taught about praying and reading your bible 
and all these basic things that is like the literal foundation of Christianity. We are still on the milk. But we grow up by receiving the knowledge and feeding on God's word until you gain a knowledge of the plan of God, which he had planned and sent Jesus to consume it, until you gain that knowledge of who you are in Christ, of what Christ has done for you, of what he did in his death, his burial, his resurrection, his ascension, and the understanding of his sitting at the right hand of the Father, until you gain a knowledge of what he's doing for you now, where he's making intercession for you, until you gain the knowledge of standing before the throne of God, until you gain the knowledge of the fact that he has defeated Satan and demons, and that all the forces of and rulers of darkness are the throne powers and they can't rule over you. When you do that, you are getting out beyond milk. In layman's terms, if you still believe, in as much as I joke about village people and all it and everything, like I'm sure it's the basic knowledge that we know that they really do not have power over us. So if you still believe your village people are the reasons why you are not succeeding, or if you don't know what Jesus is doing for you, or if you are still asking God whether you will go to heaven, or if you are not sure of your salvation, or if you don't know exactly, and if you still don't know how to pray, or you don't know how to read your Bible, you are still feeding on milk. And um, there were three subtopics in this one. The wrong diet, the place of right teaching, and the fault of inadequate teaching. So the wrong diet... And he said that if we're children of God and we haven't grown, it's because we haven't had the right diet yet. Just because a man is one of the ministry's gifts, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, doesn't mean he's a full-grown Christian. It just means that he has that calling on his life. He still has to develop and grow himself. One of the things I say very much often is, I'm not there yet. I'm far from there. I'm still learning. As God is using me to teach you, he's also using me to teach myself. And that is why I'm very um, um, much of the belief of when you listen to someone, when you learn something, still go back to God. Go back to God. Go and sort it out with God. Let God help you filter it. Because sometimes not everything a person teaches, everything a person says that God wants you to take in. So you're supposed to go and filter it, gauge it with God, pick out the ones he wants you to learn and leave the ones he doesn't want you to learn. And he said, if you are called to ministry, pray for yourself first. Allow the word be revealed to you first. It doesn't come just because you prayed. Praying is good, but also spend equal time, if not, um, if not more time with the word as you're praying. You can't build a prayer life by just praying. Your prayer life has to be built on God's word. It's like saying you cannot you cannot build a relationship if you're if you're going to be in a romantic relationship, for instance. You can't build a relationship by just talking to the person. You have to listen to the person. You have to know the person. Know if it's something if, if this is somebody you can be with or not. Know their likes, dislikes, their pet peeves, their deal breakers, their red flags. Know them. That's how you need to build on God's word to know him, not just by praying. 
And the second one was the place of right teaching. He said, we have failed to grow because of lack of right teaching. God puts teachers in the church and sets them there. In as much as there are some ways all of us can teach, oh, God is teaching you something, share with another person, yes. But there are those of us called of God and, and anointed by the Spirit of God to teach. Some people have that anointing to teach. It's like um, the fivefold ministry gift. Some people... Some people can like do here and there in all the other in all the other um parts, but there's one specific to you. I would not call myself a teacher. When God is teaching me something, yes, I can share and I know how to teach. But I would not say that God ordained me to be a teacher because he did not. I have my own calling and I know my calling. So there are some people that God anointed specially to teach. So that idea of nobody can tell me anything, I don't need to be taught, or I don't need to read books, I don't need to listen to sermon, as long as my my uh, the Holy Ghost is with me, I mean, that's enough. That is ignorance. Because God's word declares that he sets teachers in the church to teach us. We need preaching, yes, we have preachers, but we also have teachers. We need preaching. But believers need teaching. The lack of the right teaching is the primary reason we failed to grow. We can study the word ourselves and grow to some extent. But God also puts teachers in place to help us grow, to feed us on God's word. That is why the Bible says, do not forsake the gathering of believers. If the Holy Spirit was ready to work physically in each and every one of us, which he, which he is, and did not have any other um, plans... We wouldn't have church in the first place. Well, he, the church is kind of like showing the importance of fellowship. So you cannot just abandon it and say, oh, I have the Holy Ghost, I have all I need. You don't have all you need. Because the Holy Ghost himself puts systems in place for you to grow, for you to be with other believers, for you to learn. I pray God helps us in Jesus' name. And for those of us that are strong-headed and strong-hearted, and I'm not ready to learn from other people. I pray that the Holy Spirit softens our hearts in Jesus' name. Number three, the fault of inadequate teaching. The fault of inadequate teaching. If you're going to grow, you would have to be fed on the word of God. The church has been telling us what the problem is. But the church has not given us enough emphasis, emphasis on how to solve the problem. Excuse me. One reason we haven't grown is because we've preached to believers like they were sinners. We've treated them like they were sinners. We've fed them like they were sinners until we've completely undermined their faith. So if you're that kind of person that after every teaching, your, your preacher comes to tell them, your pastor, whatever teaches, you come and you're now doubting your salvation. You don't know... You don't know if you are saved. You don't know if you are going to heaven. Something is wrong somewhere. Something is wrong somewhere. And he established some facts in this book. Number one, you don't have the promise of eternal life. That's for sinners. As long as you're a believer, you've given your life to Christ, you already have eternal life. It changes your life. It change. It is the nature of God in you. It makes you a new creature and displaces the old nature you had inside of you. 
in the next episode we'll be talking more about the kind of men but know this once you become a believer you're a new man in christ with a new nature it takes time for that new nature to grow yes but there's already a new nature then the second one is your burdens have been laid down when you find jesus you don't have burdens anymore the bible says um or jesus said my yoke is heavy and my burden is light so when you give your life to christ you exchange burdens with christ you give him your own burden and you collect his own that is why like when you nearly give your life to christ you usually experience that peace or that feeling of lightness because of the exchange but then unconsciously many of us get yoked with unbelief although we've we've I'm um, giving our hearts to Jesus and we've gotten born again. We've gotten yoked up with unbelief. And then our burden has become heavy instead of light. When there is rest in your soul, it will affect your body and your entire being. So if you are still feeling stressed, if you are still feeling burdened, do a heart check. What exactly is burdening you? And when you think about it, you will see that it's not God. It's you. It is everything that God has said, give to me, that you are still carrying. And another thing, um, we have victory now. We're not going to have victory in heaven. Well, we will, but the victory is already here now. We are overcomers now. We have peace with God now. Whether you feel it or not, it is a revelation. It's an understanding. Keep saying it until you believe it. You have peace with God now. When you preach to Christians like they are still sinners, you build a kind of consciousness in them that makes it hard to grow. You hold them under condemnation. It is impossible for them to grow in that kind of diet. In fact, because it is not the sincere milk of the word, they won't grow. They won't grow. And what he was saying in all this is that it doesn't mean you won't have any test. It doesn't mean you won't have any trials. Look at Paul as example. Paul got into jail, got his back beaten, he got his feet in stocks. He was in the innermost prison with every reason in the world to gripe and complain. But at midnight, he and Silas praised and sang praises to God. Don't stay at the bottom. You don't have to. Paul had positive confessions, which I believe we should all hold dear to our hearts. I belong to God. I serve God. And I believe God. And that's what caused him to rise. That in the midst of the trials, in the midst of the temptations, in the midst of the pain, the doubt, uncertainty, fear, he, re- he remembered and he held on to it that he belongs to God, that he serves God, and that he believes God. And if you have all these three things, you know by yourself, without an iota of doubt, that God will not shame you. That God will not shame you. So... Um, if you still want to read more, this is just like a very brief summary of what the book has. Like I said, this was chapter 5, 6, and 7 of Growing Up Spiritually by Kenneth Hagin. I hope that you were blessed today. Please share with your other friends that probably don't like reading. Let them also learn from it. And see you next week. Same time, same place. God bless you all. Coin loves you, but God loves you more. Bye.